And what do podcast hosts who succeed do differently from those who fail? They sandbag episodes. They they do two things. They number one are consistently recording every single week. Again, the one to two episodes a week is so that so that you can build a queue of six to eight episodes. You're looking for almost a quarter's worth of pre-planned content because you know what happens? The holidays, Thanksgiving, you go on vacation, the kids are out of school. Oh my God, you know, you're having all of these all these uh troubles adjusting to summer vacation, and you put podcasting on the back burner. When you have six to eight weeks of content, you can see that ahead of time and be like, oh man, we are, we're down to three episodes in the queue. We should fix that. So that's thing number one, uh, is that consistency. Thing number two is giving up too early. You have to be consistent, like I said earlier, with making that queue of content, but you also have to be in this for the long haul. Um, so, Rob, thanks for joining me. Um, why and when did you start West um, Westport Studios? Yeah, it was kind of one of those uh, overnight things, Chris. It was a it was a fun time. Uh, back in March of 2022, I was laid off from uh, a podcast agency where I was a frontline producer. I spent a lot of time with customers and things like that. But at one at some point, uh, some decisions were made at that company where ten of us got the axe all in one day, basically, and that said to me, like, wow, man, this is like the third time in my life I've been unemployed, and I went to bed that night going, gosh, what am I going to do the next morning? And the following morning, which oddly enough was March 4th. So again, what they call command day, you know, March 4th yeah. was the day that I decided, you know what? I think I can do this for myself and I think I can do this for other people. I'm going to start my own company. And the really nifty thing about that is, is that that's very same day. I got an email from one of my former clients from my old agency that said, you know, my team is telling me we should probably uh, start a conversation here. And it was one of the one of the most incredible, humbling moments of my life in like the customer facing aspect. It was so cool. So that's uh, it was it was definitely wasn't like out of like spite necessarily. But it was one of those things of like, you know what, I bet I can do this. And I bet I can really uh, have a chance to to make some really nifty content with people. It was fun. That's awesome, man. Hey, so glad to hear that. And it it goes back to you because of the person you are, you know, people don't do business with companies, they do business with people. Exactly. And actually, that was said to me very early in my uh, professional journey in founding Westport. When one of my customers called me up and she said, and big shout out to Jackie, if you're watching this, she said, you know, I am agency agnostic, but I want to work with you. And that was like, whoa, that was a really formative thing for me as a business owner because I realized at that moment that people can go and have what they want. They can buy from whoever they want, but they also buy the experience, the feeling, everything that you put into your business as like the special sauce. And sometimes that special sauce is not a process. It's a person. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, let's say there's a pod, uh, a, a marketer out there who's thinking about starting a podcast. What benefits would somebody, let's say, at a higher ed marketing department have if they start a podcast? Great question, Chris. The benefits there are honestly the relationships. Now, we we're talking about that with my company and things like that, but I actually was literally listening to an episode of one of the shows that I managed last night. The guest on this show 
came in and she actually in the first like intro to her she got the host's name wrong in this case and it was like again it's it's a, a name where if you change one letter it's a slightly different name but she got it wrong and the you could tell that she wasn't quite as engaged right from you know square one as she maybe should have been but by the end of that particular interview she and the host did a retake where he said hey you called me you know mikhail and my name is michael things like that he said can we take that that again and the sound of her voice the sound of her voice the empathy the uh affinity for him had completely changed i it was so completely different that i actually clipped the two bits of recording and put them back to back to share with that customer of mine so if somebody is in the marketing world in higher ed and they're looking to make these much more expansive much deeper relationships with people make podcast content with them uh the other thing too is i'm also seeing some really amazing stuff from uh some of the folks who are you know they're they're leaders here i mean we know who ethan braden is uh you know with uh, purdue and of course this is purdue is charting on apple podcast it's incredible i'm so happy for those folks they're great people um i know abby eddie uh is behind that as well which is great but you know looking at what you can do with your brand putting it out there. And I've actually had a couple uh, schools here local to me in the Milwaukee area that have been uh, saying, hey, Rob, you know, we, we saw Purdue has this thing. Uh, how do we do that? And it's been fun to have conversations with them, not only for enrollment, but also for like giving and uh, advancement and development of their institution. Mm -hmm. That's great. And let's say they're making the leap and they're going to start their podcast. What equipment should they have to get started? Biggest thing is a quiet space. Uh, in that case, no, no air conditioners, no fans, no, you know, uh, club lacrosse team traipsing through in the background or whatever it might be, or the volleyball team having a party or whatever it might be. But the, uh, the number one thing, quiet space, number two thing, and this is not equipment necessarily, but this is probably one of the most things because it kind of is equipment, a consistent host, a host who is, can show up every single week and crank out one to two episodes a week. That is probably the most important piece of equipment, more important than a microphone, more important than lighting, more important than camera. The most important thing, piece of equipment you can have for your show is the host. Mm. And we can get into actually, you know, what should we buy? You know, I have, uh, if you ever want a, a great piece of equipment, look into Shure microphones. They're expensive, but it's a cry, buy once, cry once. Mm -hmm. If you would like a, a great set of headphones, which I am a big fan of this, and I'm going to use one of my phrases here. Headphones are like hard hats. People will fight me on that. But headphones are like hard hats. You should always wear them when a podcast is under construction. Uh, these happen to be a Corsair HS80. And they are spectacular because they are not only wireless, but they can be wired as well. So you don't have uh, any loss of connection there. Uh, I'm usually a very big fan of wired headphones. But again, with these having kind of both here, uh, those are the two things that I would definitely recommend. Uh, sure, uh, the Sure microphones, as well as uh, these Corsair headphones that I'm currently wearing. Okay. And you said that they should record two podcasts a week, but how often should they actually publish their podcast? Weekly or better. Uh, in this case, so that's the, the the or better part is kind of like, whoa, uh, I do have some customers who work with me. Um, the one that, that really does it well is in the finance industry, but they uh, they do two episodes a week and it just they have been hitting the download marks and things like that, you know, 180,000 downloads for the year, things like that. But a lot of uh, a lot of folks, whether they're in 
finance or legal or tech or higher education, they go, oh man, what if we did this once a month? Like, let's have a monthly podcast or bi-weekly. And the answer to that is if you're thinking of having that kind of podcast, people are going to forget about you. Uh, they really are. They're going to forget about you between when the episode one is released and two weeks later when episode two is released. If you can get them on that treadmill of week after week, we are expecting an episode at 8 a.m. on Tuesday. That's going to be the thing that builds your audience. Um, so I actually, with my own business, it is a very rare exception that I work with anybody who wants to do a less than weekly podcast. Mm -hmm. um, I will actually help invite them and help them find somebody who can make a show for them at the cadence they want. But the only reason I do that is because I want their show to be the most successful it can be for them. And the, the experience I have from managing dozens of shows now, gosh, it's, I'm getting close to saying scores now, which is wild and making uh, well over a thousand episodes of content is that if you do this weekly, that is your best shot to build an audience. Mm -hmm. And what is, um, how do people get guests on their show? It's a lot like sales. It's a, I'm, I'm, if you peel away all the layers and all the things that I've learned over my career, I'm a salesperson at heart, but it's very much like sales where you have prospects. And usually the way I tell folks when they set up a show, when they're first starting out is who are, who is your target buyer in this case, because I do business to business podcasting, which is where you invite your a key customer, your ideal customer onto your show uh, as a potential, as a guest, and then as a potential business partner down the road, because again, people like to do business with people they know. Uh, but the thing that I advise for folks is that when they're starting up, I want you to find 50 prospective customers, 50, five, zero of who could be guests on your show. And that might take a hot minute to put together that list, but it's going to give you such an option and opportunity to, to look at the, the field of people to pick from. And then I would, would drop an email to all of these folks. Mm -hmm. Drop a quick three to four sentence email. It does not have to be long. Hey, I'm Rob. I'm starting a new podcast. It's called XYZ. I'm looking for some guests. I know that you talk about blank. Would you be interested in coming and sharing that with our listeners? And some people will say yes, and some people will say no. That format that I just described has about a 40-45% acceptance rate, which is, uh, or I should back that up. It's a response rate, 40-45% response rate, but it's generally very high acceptance rate uh, from that. Okay. And what do podcast hosts who succeed do differently from those who fail? They sandbag episodes. They They do two things. They, number one, are consistently recording every single week. Again, the one to two episodes a week is so that, so that you can build a queue of six to eight episodes. You're looking for almost a quarter's worth of pre-planned content because you know what happens? The holidays, Thanksgiving, you go on vacation, the kids are out of school. Oh my God, you know, you're having all of these, all these uh, troubles adjusting the summer vacation and you put podcasting on the back burner. When you have six to eight weeks of content, you can see that ahead of time and be like, oh man, we are, we're down to three episodes in the queue. We should fix that. So that's thing number one, uh, is that consistency. Thing number two is giving up too early. Uh, there is a fabulous uh, influencer who I actually just came across from uh, his uh, stint on a podcast that I mentioned. His name is uh, Rob Clark. You might know him from TikTok as uh, the patriarch of that tall family where everybody is like seven feet tall. I mean, I'm 6'3", and the, 
all these people make me look pretty trippy and that's okay. But uh, Rob actually shared with me on LinkedIn a chart of his 2022 growth for TikTok and YouTube and things like that. And I asked him, hey, Rob, is there a longer look at this? And he said, yeah, check this out. What he did was he shared with me from 2016 to today what his growth chart was. And really, the lion's share of his growth has been in the past like year, year and a half. And it took him, because he's been on YouTube for like five or six years uh, prior to actually hitting it big here with you know his 2 billion views of his family and stuff like that. Uh, but his chart of that is literally a flat line compared to what it is today. And there's a little blip in like summer 2019. But before that, he was making content for years and not getting this massive amount of traction that he's getting now. You have to be consistent, like I said earlier, with making that queue of content. But you also have to be in this for the long haul. The person who says, oh, I'm going to make four episodes of a show and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to crush it onto Apple Podcasts. I mean... If you're backed by Gimlet, maybe, but if you're somebody who, like I was a couple of years ago, and you said, man, I'm going to make my first podcast, start with really putting in the reps, because not only in, in front of the camera, but in your hosting and things like that, you will make a better show once you've got 20, 50, 100, 300 of them under your belt. Yeah, funny story. I just talked to Rob Clark last week. And then oh, you did? <laughs> It's like it takes 10 years to be an overnight success, right? It does. Yeah. And that that's that chart he showed me is exactly that. It took him six and a half, seven years of daily content grind, making stuff about his family, making stuff about himself to get to the point where, you know, he can put on his LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I have 1.9 billion views on TikTok. Like, <sighs> yeah. So what is one tactic you apply to your own business to help you succeed? I think the one tactic that I really have differentiated with is a lot of agencies out there will do what's called like visual assembly of a podcast. Every second of audio that comes out of Westport Studios is listened to by multiple sets of ears. And I think that attention to Hey, you know, because things get, things get screwed up and I'm not saying that we are perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but the difference I've seen between folks who visually edit and visually assemble things is very different than what it's, it is like here. And again, that's not to say that we don't screw up. I actually had one last week where it was like, oh shoot, we totally forgot to get rid of that thing. But making sure that there's a quality audit process, that that has been the, the, the biggest driver of success for me here over the past six to nine months. And we're looking how to see how we can continue to make that because there's nothing, nothing worse when a customer comes back to you and says, hey, Rob, this isn't perfect. Um, can you do something about that? And so it's, it's a very fun uh, thing to do because, again, I get to listen to all the content as well and i get to actually get invested in the stories that my shows are telling in the uh, narrative arc that people are designing for their podcast again whether it's in higher ed whether it's in finance whether it's in tech or legal or wherever it might be and uh what's a good way for people that are getting started into podcasts to contact you and why should they go with you compared to somebody else well i think the the biggest thing is contacting me is, is easiest on linkedin 
Uh, it's one of my favorite platforms. I literally, I don't do much other social media than LinkedIn. Reddit doesn't count to me, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, on LinkedIn, uh, you can find me, uh, at Rob Connell and, and you know, that's, uh, super easy. I should be two B's by the way, I should say super easy. I should be the, pretty much the first one to show up. You'll see my chubby face and things like that. But, uh, reason to work with me is, you know, I've, I've done, you know, over a thousand of these episodes. And the neat part about that is that if we're looking at sort of the account-based marketing, of what universities, what other higher educational institutions are looking to possibly do to bring in, whether it's donors or other folks for advancement or whatever it might be to grow their their university. That is something that I have experience with, not only with the podcasts that are out there, uh, which I believe you guys uh, over at Hannon Hill were super kind to name uh, two of the ones that I work uh, very deeply with, the nice folks over at uh, Enrollify and, of course, the Higher Ed Marketer uh, as must-listen-to podcasts in 2022. Can't wait to see the 2023 list. But uh, we have experience with it, which is just outstanding, number one. But number two, uh, the neat thing about Higher Ed is that the industry is really trying to modernize. And that modernization we can take things from other podcasts that we have in other industries and easily transplant it to higher ed to say, hey, this is what's working over in finance. This is what's working over in tech. You should, you know, take the best, leave the rest when it comes to uh, adding this to your podcast. So we kind of get to shortcut, which is cool. And again, not to knock higher ed too much in this case, there are industries that just tend to be sometimes behind uh, in this case, but it's really easy to have other people blaze the trail and just be like, oh, these are the signposts I need to follow. So uh, with us here at Westport, I think the biggest thing is that you work directly with me. I am basically a solopreneur. Uh, I have a couple of folks on a team who help me with things that I'm not very good at, like graphic design. But long story short, you're not a number here. You're somebody who is a valued partner. And I do my business almost 100%. Uh, it's 85 90% on referrals mm. of, you know, if, if I am treating you, you well as a customer, the most incredible thing you can do for me is to refer somebody you care about my way. And that's been the, the real bread and butter of my business. Uh, so if you'd like to uh, work with a company that is heavily focused on making you feel that way so that you, you feel like going, Hey man, these guys over here at Westport, you know, they really take care of us. That's why you should work with us. Awesome. And now who's one marketer I should interview next? Oh, this guy. He's my favorite Canadian. His name is Christian Klepp, uh, K-L-E-P-P. -P. Christian is uh, in charge of Einblick Consulting. Uh, and I, it's German for something. I can't remember. I know Ein is one, but uh, <laughs> but Christian is super fun. Uh, he's uh, one of my, my best LinkedIn friends. Uh, he has a passion, not just for marketing. He runs his own show called B2B Marketers on a Mission, which is a wonderful uh, show to tune into. So big shout out to him with that. I know he's working on his hundredth episode or something like that here uh, as we as we record this in early January. Uh, but he's just a great guy. He has a, a wonderful set of hobbies and he's also a, a talented artist. Uh, he shows off some of his artwork to me when he and I have chats and it's just, he's an all around great guy. I wish he didn't live in Ontario and he lived in Wisconsin with me because we'd be just the best of friends uh, close by all the time. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, Rob, I really, really appreciate your time today. Oh, absolutely, Chris. Anytime. You know, it's, it's great to continue to, to get to know you better. And of course, you know, we, we love Hannon Hill here because, uh, you know, you talk talk great stuff about us and it's uh, you're a great uh, partner to the, the higher ed industry. Awesome. Hey, good luck in 2023 and we'll be in touch. You know it, buddy.
Thanks so much. Bye.